That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday. To give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Perfect, and now we are back, and uh, I am still recording on the poolside, um, uh, and my friend Aaron Zimmerman is recording from Waco, Texas. Aaron, can you hear me? Woo! You sound great coming in loud and clear. I got to say, it is still pretty amazing, this whole internet thing, that you and I can do this uh, thousands mm. of miles apart. And I'm, um, uh, yeah, I'm today I'm grateful for, for that. Uh, it's like you're here at the poolside with me, kind of like Jesus. <laughs> uh, hanging, there's that song by Susto, Susto, uh, Hanging at the Beach with My Best Friend Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, that's right. Having that's a few a beers, one. but not too many beers. Um, <laughs> I love that song. I'm not sure how to think about it, but I do love it. Uh, anyways, so here we are. Yeah, it's still in the summer. This is going to be um, for uh, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, uh, the um, the eighth, twenty uh, eighth of July. So really, kind of at the the we're getting in again the end of summer here. Uh, and um, which is a time, interestingly, I feel like a lot of churches get a lot of visitors in the summer, at least down here in Texas. Mm. People move to town and sort of start looking mm. for a place to land. And so yeah. you have a congregation that, you know, some of your regulars may be out of town, but you're, um, uh, you get some new people. And summer is a time where it's supposed to be a time of rest, but people often still feel a little bit stressed out about things. Um, and mm-hmm. as, as summer ends, you get people feeling gosh, the summer has gone by fast and they're already beginning to get stressed out about the fall, which is just around the corner because school's going to be starting soon and all that sort of stuff. So I, I agree with you. I, and I think I think the big stresses that come about are one, you know, people kind of um, maybe spent a little too much money on summer vacation. Yep. Maybe, you know, the the summer programmings are kind of wrapping up and um, and something's been exposed about their kid or something like that. But And also people are moving. And this is a great time too when we get a lot of new families. And so it's um, it's an important it's an important time to kind of keep your sermons, especially in the summer, concise. If you're up in New England or in the Mid Atlantic areas, and you're in a church that was built before 1972, you don't have air conditioning, mm. so there's nothing wrong with keeping it short and uh, keeping it sweet and keeping it to the point. Yep. And so with that, we jump into Jake's favorite passage, uh, Hosea chapter one. Uh, Hosea. Hosea, as you, as you said the Mexican prophet, and as a half-Mexican, I, I receive that with great honor. And uh, we have uh, Hosea, we're going to move that into Colossians, we're continuing Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, 
And then we're going to finish up with Luke 11 as we've been in this little Lucan section this summer. So I have to talk about now, Hosea I'm gonna, 1. I, Go I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna let you talk about Hosea, right. Aaron, in big part because um, I'm at the pool with, with a bunch of little kids and the word whoredom is mentioned several times. So I'm going to turn it over to you and uh, just chime in on the nice parts. Yeah, you've already said it <laughs> once and uh, that's probably one time too many to speak out loud poolside. Uh, about but 20 yeah, parents just turn is, their heads. This is, I'm, I got to tell you, as a preacher and as a minister, of the gospel, um, I just giggle internally um, when uh, this passage is read in church because it just sort of comes out of the blue, and I'm not sure how people uh, receive it, but it is. it begins with a little bit of a shock, kind of a cold glass of water mm. to the face, um, which is how God intended it. This is the wonderful thing about the Word of God, that there's surprises and... Uh, you know, God is nowhere near as pious as we are often. So mm. here... Um, God begins by talking to the prophet Hosea and says this amazing thing. We always say we want to hear from the Lord, hear from the Lord. Well, do you? Uh, Because sometimes he says things like what he tells Hosea, which is just this shocking thing. Shocking. Go take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land, that's how you should instruct. Again, I wish, listeners, you could see Jake. Every time I do something a little bit ridiculous, he begins to quiver. He, he Jake's laughs begin silently, and they sort of they, yeah. they build, build slowly. But um, yeah, so you uh, yeah, he says take take a prostitute, marry her, and have children of prostitute, uh, and um, because the land commits great whoredom. So you get whoredom three mm. times. Uh, and this is an incredible thing because God is actually telling Hosea the prophet, the man of God, to do something that is sort of against the word of God. Can I just offer an insight really quick? Clergy, um, yes. just prepare your lecterns uh, for this day. You know, when lectors, when they show up, don't let them just read this cold turkey. Prepare them that they're going to say the word whoredom three times. <laughs> they might choke <laughs> if you don't get them ready. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, you should also maybe the Sunday before publish in the bulletin trigger warning next Sunday. Everybody watch out. Oh, that should be the name of our, our title today, Trigger go. Warning. Yeah, so anyway. As, as Ira Glass always says on This American Life, um, just a quick note to listeners, the following passage acknowledges the existence of sex. So that will definitely <laughs> happen uh, for Hosea 1. So you've got, yeah, take a, take a whore wife, have whore children, because Israel is a whore, is essentially how this passage begins. And this is God, again, as we've talked about in Amos, the last two Sundays, this is God doing an intervention through increasingly dra- drastic terms as we move through these minor prophets of Amos, Hosea, yeah. and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to shock the people of Israel uh, to wake them up. And so, God is uh, God is a preacher who likes to use illustrations, just like mm. Jesus uses parables, parable of the fig tree, parable of the sower. This is... God asking Hosea to become sort of a living parable. Let me show you what my love is like. Israel has been running after other deities, uh, basically committing adultery because in in Hebrew thought, God has is the husband and the people of Israel are the bride. So there's this covenant relationship and Israel has been stepping out and mm. has been uh, seeing other people on the side, uh, worshiping other gods on the side. And so God is saying, let me show you what this looks like. This is actually a word of grace. I am not giving up on you. You have, you have uh, cuckolded God. You have uh, put, put, him, um, put him 
in sort of a very humiliating place, but his love cannot be stopped, um, even though you have been running around. So this is how great it is. I'm asking my prophet to go out and find a prostitute, go to the red light district, uh, and takes Gomer, uh, which I think is so interesting, by the way, that this is a name used at all for people today because of the where it comes from in the Bible. But it's used for men, particularly Gomer Pyle is what I'm thinking of right now. Mm. Um, but apparently people have not read deeply into this passage. Or there may be – who would name their son Gomer after reading this? I don't know. But anyways, here we go. So he says, uh, Mary Gomer – and name him Jezreel, which again is a is a word of punishment when this first child is 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 born. Um, but then uh, they have a daughter and gives the name Lo Ruhama. So Lo in Hebrew means no or not, uh, nay. So um, uh, this means uh, I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel. So there's kind of these. Uh, uh, but he says, I will have pity on pity on Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. Uh, uh, but I will not save them by bow or sword or by war or by horses or horsemen. So there's kind of this transition from um, the salvation is not going to be a military or kind of um, a national a political one. There's going to be something else. Uh, and then she has another child, the final, the, the third, Lo Ami, not my people, not my God. So these three children come, they're sort of like, their names mean judgment, which again is sort of interesting. I, they probably spend a lot of time in therapy. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, um, not my people, come for dinner. Uh, uh, yep. And to the kingdom, come time to come in. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so... Uh, these three children are born. Their names are supposed to give uh, an indication of the judgment that's coming. But um, at the end of this passage, we do get a word of grace. This saying God is going to, in the previously, if you were not my people, um, it shall be said to them, you are now children of the living Mm. God. So uh, yeah. Anything, Jake, uh, can you talk about this passage without saying boredom? Well, and I, I think, um, you know, and ultimately where this finds its fulfillment, the, the work of Hosea, you know, first of all, these names, I always think of Kanye West and Kim Kardashian uh. and what they've named their children. And, you know, it's just, um, it's it's very similar to what Hosea has to name his children. <laughs> but um, the um, the idea here being is, is that... Um, uh, th- there's ultimately coming another bridegroom, more so than Hosea, and he's going to marry a bride as well, uh, the church, and she's going to be rent asunder by heresies and uh, stress and division, and uh, will also whore after other gods. And uh, But nonetheless, um, this God, um, our God, who is our groom, has written our names on his arm and, um, and uh, will never leave us or forsake us. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and so, just the fact that God's love uh, cannot be turned away by people who run after other gods, by people mm. who essentially commit adultery. You know, many, many, many Christians feel like failures. Uh, there are p- folks in your congregation who had a who maybe started out well with the Lord or started out well in life, but through their own errors and their own mistakes. Um, I keep mm. talking about Reese Witherspoon because we're watching Big Little Eyes. Uh, mm. But, you know, she... she uh, just um, does something which has the possibility of destroying her marriage. And she's just, Mm. and uh, her husband says, you know, why did you do this? 
what was the problem with us? And she says, it wasn't with us. It was a problem with me. And a lot of people feel like they are the problem and they've messed up and they have failed. Mm -hmm. And here we have God saying, nope, even if you are a prostitute, even if you are someone who's turned away, um, I still want to marry you and uh, make you my bride and will redeem you. You know, uh, Stephen Paulson, he gives the the best statement on this passage, I think. He says, when a God has claimed you as his bride, he'll have the final word. You might as well put, shave your legs and put on some lipstick. And, um, and this is uh, the truth. And uh, there is nothing you can do that will separate you from that and that claim and that name. And so, and, um, and especially now that you're his children, yeah. even, you know, um, that's an important thing and an important truth to be remembered and to be illustrated through the prophet Hosea. Yep. And that moves us into the, to the to Paul's epistle to the Colossians. Yeah, an amazing passage here. You've got mm. uh, this beginning, as you have therefore received Christ This is a Christ crown Jesus. jewel. It's, this yeah, is the, a crown jewel. Yeah, if, if there were ever a passage, it just almost preaches itself. It's this one. Uh, and here, I love verse 6, the first verse of this passage, because it, uh, I think, gives the lie or contradicts uh, how many of us think of Christianity. Many of people think Christianity is come to Jesus by faith, you're saved by grace, it's really good, all your sins are washed away, and now, don't get crazy. Now that he's forgiven Find you, your purpose. It, now it's up to you. Um, yep. There's sort of this bait and switch. There's the grace of the gospel, but then it's like, don't mess up from now on, and, and uh, mm. um, uh, the gospel is true, but, it, but now we, it's up we to We call you. it law, gospel, law. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And so what he says is, as therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, meaning there's no like... reversion back to the law. You receive Jesus Christ through faith and by grace and continue to live your lives in him in that way. Your your sanctification is the same as your justification. It is all God's work in you. Um, And so, uh, you just continue in the same way. The testimony is not I was lost and now I'm found. I gave my life to Jesus and now everything's fine. You're the life of faith, we continue to live our lives in him the same way as we received him at the beginning. We come back again and again and again. It's like a circle. We just come back to the beginning every day. We're converted every day. We come back to Jesus every day. We trust in the cross every day, not in our own efforts. And Paul is Paul is working against people that want to come to the Colossians and say, no, you received Jesus. Yes, that's great. But now we have to give you the rest of the things you have to do. We have to give you the law again, which is why he says in verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive. No one puts you in jail again is what that means through philosophy and empty deceit, human traditions. Like basically don't listen to anybody that wants to add more things to Jesus, uh, secret beliefs or new practices or whatever. That's uh, right. You got to just yeah, trust in Christ because because Je- Jesus is God and he goes on to talk about that. And that's that's absolutely right. You know, I think so much and this is such an appropriate word not only for the Colossians but for the Americans as well. Mm. Um our religion, uh, Christianity has been so co-opted by do it yourself stuff. I mean, it is, uh, you know, to to uh, wear, to be preachers in sneakers is one thing, but to um, embrace the slogan of Nike, just do it, is another. Mm. Um, uh, because the, the slogan of Christianity is, it's done, um, quit, <laughs> you give up. 
Um, it's the exact opposite of just do it. But I think that so much of we have been co-opted and, you know, whether it's um, by um, the red state or the blue state or uh, whether it's by, you know, certain types of moralism, whether it be left or right. Um, but see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophies or empty deceits. And there's all sorts of ways that, um, that people are selling and snake oils about how you can be closer to God or how you can be a better person. And Paul is just... This is just simply, um, this isn't something for you to do. This is just a warning. This is like a father telling his son, hey, don't stick your hand in that hole. You know, um, that's, um, it's, a, it's, 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 very, it's very important. And so he's just laying it out that this is, well, who's going to come when they hear the gospel is the yeah buts. Yeah, yeah, of course, but you've also got to add this. And no, you don't have to add anything else. Uh, Jesus is just fine on his own. Yeah, and so Paul in verse 11, in bringing up the topic of circumcision, is addressing exactly that. Because again, one of the things that was happening in the church is people had received the gospel, they'd trust Christ, it was amazing, we're forgiven, hallelujah. And then people would come along and say, oh, yes, but now you Gentiles, if you've trusted Christ, that's great, but the extra thing you have to do is get circumcised. And so Paul's going to say, no, you've already been circumcised spiritually. The physical stuff doesn't matter because you can be physically circumcised, but uns- but but not in your heart trusting Christ. So you've been circumcised. There's nothing more to do, and you've you've died with Christ. And this is the great thing about baptism. Many people think baptism is just a washing away of sins. No, it's a drowning. You have been buried with Christ. You are dead. You're dead. And if, if you've died, you've been raised, and there's nothing more for you to do. Um, and so um, we've been forgiven. This- we've been redeemed. It's all done. And this flips our paradigm. You know, the world and, and religious people operate from the paradigm of action consequences. You do this, you'll get this. This is called karma, and this isn't where Christians are. Uh, Christians are in the process of death and resurrection, and you have been buried with Christ, and you've been in your baptism, and you'll be raised with him. And every day, we die and we rise again. It's not about action consequence. It's about death, resurrection, Jesus killing the old and raising the new. That's right, and there's a there's a that action consequence you hear a lot. I hear I hear Christians use this quote all the time, and it's not a scriptural quote. It's Aristotelian. It's it's something like, and I'll probably get it wrong, but you could Google it and find it if you I'll want correct to get it right. you. Yeah, please do, so. please do. I received that in, in word of grace. Um, <laughs> speaking the truth in love to me. Uh, it's something like sow a thought, uh, reap an action. Sow an action, reap uh, a habit. Sow a habit, reap yeah. a character. And, it, and it's sort of like this idea that. We got to kind of take control of our thoughts, our actions, behaviors, and so we can become better people, people of character. It's that action consequence kind of thinking. And where that fails is that um, we are so fallible and we are so limited in our ability and our willpower is so small and our um, resolve runs out so quickly. There's so little gas in the tank of human self-improvement that that stuff just fails. And you can look at... um, I mean, watch Little Miss Sunshine if you want to see an example of somebody who thinks they can just perfect their life through that kind of thinking and how his entire family falls apart. Uh, it's just that, that kind of thinking is is good until you hit your first major life crisis. And it just over and over and over, it falls apart. Or you so, realize you're colorblind, to go with that analogy from Little Miss Sunshine. Right, right. You know, um, uh, that's like, you know, uh, that kid thought he was on the way up. And if he just tried harder, then he would do it, you know. And, you know, if you just put your mind to anything, you can accomplish it. Nonsense. Right. Um, you know, it's not true. And, um 
And the truth is, is that if you live by that way, you will die. And this is why St. Paul wraps it up in the brackets. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons or Sabbaths, or the right way to do the liturgy or this or that. These are only shadows of what is to come. My friends, emphasize the substance of Christ, never just the forms. Mm. And I feel like a lot of the do-it-yourself religion is all about form, but it lacks any of the substance. It has it has the um, image of God, but it lacks any of its authority. Yeah, and I, I saw a really heartbreaking the form example of, God, of this yeah. the other day. There was a woman on Twitter, young woman, I think a teenager, who is a Christian, who is a member of her church, and she was doing some sort of performance on stage, like after a youth retreat, like all the youth got up and were singing a song. And some, uh, I'm sure, well-meaning, but totally off-base, older member of the congregation followed this young woman into the bathroom to rebuke her for the shorts she was wearing. And they were not inappropriate shorts. They were, uh, you know, kind of mid-thigh jean shorts. Says you. Uh, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And and was saying, you're too fat to wear those, and you can't, like, you're a little heavy, and so you can't, and just, like, took her to task. And I was like, gosh, this is someone who has completely missed the point of the gospel. This older, there was like a, it was kind of an elder in the church, kind of church leader woman, um, who just completely missed the point. And she was trying to disqualify this woman because of her body type and because of her shorts and all this sort of stuff. It's like, so when I hear, therefore, don't let anyone condemn you in matters of food or drink or observing festivals. Like, that is... um, we don't really care about new moons, Sabbaths, festivals. We have other categories now by which we condemn people. But in Christ, all of it is done because uh, the, any record that we would use to to accuse anybody, a list of crimes or uh, misdeeds, as, as it says in verse 14, one of my favorite verses, that has been erased. Uh, when they open your file, Jacob Smith, to see what you have done wrong and what the charges were against you, the file is empty. The whole thing has been redacted. There's nothing in there. It says innocent. That's right. That's right. And you've been made alive. So um, mm. so this is a word of incredible grace to people. Um, the, the gospel and... is that you are accepted, you are loved because of what Christ has done. You have been buried with him. You have died in and... your baptism and have been raised to new life, and you've been forgiven. And, and the powerful thing about that now is this is a perfect segue to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Um, your Jesus's father is now your father also. And so, and here we have Jesus in the Sermon on the Plain, and he is uh, teaching his disciples how to pray. Yep, uh, and so uh, this is an incredible thing where uh, they say, how, how should we pray? And it's this beautiful, simple uh, prayer that Jesus gives his disciples and that we pray um, all the time. And, uh, you know, in, in the Episcopal tradition, you, you actually cannot have a service without praying the Lord's Prayer. Mm, there is not a single right. service in the prayer book, whether it's morning prayer, eating prayer, Holy Communion, baptism, marriage. There is not a single service that doesn't have the Lord's Prayer because Jesus said, when you pray, say this. And so we, and, and in the beginning, just Father, being to acknowledge God as our Father, um, not as some far-off deity, uh, not as some, um, you know, distant thing, but but someone who loves us and cares for us. A good but, but, but separate from us, um, and I think this is important, and I don't want to get on like a giant rant, but the uh, just point a small of rant. God, yeah, but the point of God being Father is is that um, He's separate from us, um, separate from His creation. So it's an intimate relationship that is distinct from His creation, mm-hmm. and so um, um, so which is uh, very important. I mean, you know, if 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 you know a mother, you know, you know, the child comes 
from it. Um, but, you know, I'm a father, not necessarily, but but um, clearly uh, we have an intimate, you know, because without that, Maury Povich wouldn't have a job. And so, you know, you are not the father, but with God um, and with Jesus's blood buried in his death, raised in his resurrection, he is your father. Um, and uh, that is uh, directly from God himself and Maury Povich. Uh, for those of you that are completely <laughs> lost, uh, by way of background, Maury Povich is a daytime TV host who every time has paternity tests uh, to find out whether or not the child of this mother on the show uh, is telling the truth or not, or whether the father is telling the truth or not. Anyways, uh, so, yes, anyway, but I love it. Separate. These are the kinds of separate. things uh, our listeners learn on the Same Old Song podcast. Uh uh, so the other thing, I mean, daily bread, there's this wonderful dependence here on God for our daily needs, not being anxious about yesterday or tomorrow, but just today. Uh, there's an emphasis on forgiveness for our sins, but also a recognition that we are people that we have sinned against also. Um, as much as Christianity is very much about the level playing field of all humanity, um, we need to be forgiven and we need to forgive others. Um, yeah, which is an amazing thing. And Kanye, Kanye West really emphasized that on the latest episode of The Kardashians. Um, there's um, an episode where um, him and Kim have to go back to Chicago, and he's um, reconciling with an old buddy of his that kind of blasted him on Twitter um, um, called... Um, um, yeah, rhymes, and um, and anyway, Kim was like, you know, you shouldn't have anything to do with rhymes, and uh, but um, Kanye West was like, forgiveness is at the heart of our religion, baby, Amen. and um, and uh, that's that's true. So forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Yeah, say what you want about Kanye, he's a complicated individual, and there's a lot going on there. But both Kanye and Kim grew up in the church, <laughs> uh, and I don't know. Where and they're to Christians, put that. man. Yeah, I don't know. They where They are to put Christians. That. But you know, as as we just read in Colossians, don't let anyone condemn you matters of food or drink if externally there's a lot of things about the kardashians that i don't get and i cannot understand and i would not want my kids to live that way however no, totally there's i mean i didn't grow up in their shoes and when your dad is uh, mr kardashian and uh and your kanye growing up with mental illness and your it's mom a jose dies, situation there's a lot of things so going anyway. on yeah but there are people who get that get uh, kanye gets the deal that it is about forgiveness which uh praise god um uh, if you ever feel yourself judging a celebrity, by the way, that's probably a place where you yourself are under the law. Whenever we're, and mm. you, you probably actually wish you could be like that person, but you can't, which is why you're judging mm. them. So that's uh, good. Uh, I say that um, with all Christian love and charity. So uh, the other thing here, um, we this end powerful up, parable. Yeah, we get this little parable. Um, so Jesus finishes teaching them the Lord's Prayer and uh, talks about um, somebody going to a friend at midnight to get. Uh, a, a loan. Uh, get me some. I've got a friend who's arrived at night. I don't have anything to give him. So uh, uh, loan me three loaves of bread. And the friend wants to say, no, it's late. I've locked everything. My kids are asleep with me in bed. And you get the idea that, yes, in the ancient Near East and still many places today in the Middle East, um, you, the family sleeps in sort of a communal room. The idea of having like a four bedroom, three bath home is very much uh, uh, um, an American 
sort of thing. And we have big houses with lots of rooms and everybody has their private space. Not so in the majority of the world and the majority of human history. Mm. Um, we just visited a pioneer cabin in Arkansas where like you read the little historical plaque outside. It said in this cabin, you know, Jedediah, whatever, Jedediah Springfield and his wife raised their like nine children, five of whom were born in this cabin. And I was like, and how many were conceived in that cabin too? So it's just, it's one room. It's got a fireplace. They all sleep there. Anyways, in the log cabin. So uh, he says, uh, but even though this friend wouldn't want to give give him anything uh, because it's late and it's inconvenient because of his persistence. And it's sort of setting up this thing where like that's if even if your most sinful, narcissistic, uh, selfish, tired friend who doesn't want to help you in the middle of the night, even if that guy will help you, even if that George Costanza will help you because you just mm. just to get you to shut up and stop knocking on his door, kind of how much more will God uh, give you whatever you need? So when you pray the Lord's Prayer and say, give us this day our daily bread, it's a real thing. God wants to give you your daily bread. He maybe, I mean, it probably might not be the the Bentley or speaking of Kanye, the Yeezys or whatever, but he will give you your daily bread. He will give you your sustenance for this day and um, mm. will take care of you. And and then he wraps it up by saying, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Forever ask, receives, and everyone who searches finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I mean, and this is this is true because ultimately what we're looking for is, is him. Mm. And we find him because he's already revealed himself to us. Uh, he's been the protagonist. And this is backed up in the, the final parable. Is there anyone among you, if your child asked for a fish, you'd give a snake instead of a fish? or a child asked for an egg and you'd give a scorpion. Of course not. Nobody would do that unless you're a psychopath. Um, but uh, Jesus says, if you then, who are evil, here he lays it out, you're not basically good. This is a low anthropology. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Once again, him. This is about him. And so, like you said, it's not about the Ferrari or the Bentley, but it's about him. And so we seek because he's been the one going after us. He is the great prophet who's married um, married uh, a whore mm. and um, turns us into a spotless, beautiful bride, not through our actions or good deeds, but through um, death and then resurrection. Yeah, you know, if my child asked for an egg, I wouldn't give him a scorpion. I might give him a scorpion CD, though. A great Ooh. German heavy metal band. Take and... me to the rivers of tomorrow. Anyway. <laughs> That's a little bonus. And if you stuck around to the end Ten of the episode. Ten people just people, looked at me at the pool deck. So anyway. All right. Well, I think that'll I wrap feeling, it up. How you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling uh, good. I'm feeling slightly awkward, but because uh, um, you know I'm here on the pool deck talking really loud. But anyway, <laughs> Singing, um, anything, anything metal. for the cause. So, um, God bless you all and happy preaching. Stay sanctified, Jake. All right, you too. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.